0: Hello there, this is Coden,
1: and this is Cassia,
0: and welcome to the Ebon Hawk, a podcast where we discuss the Star Wars Knights of the Republic games and proposed movie adaptations, as well as Star Wars news. Today we'll be talking about Knights of the Republic's Mission Veil and the latest episode of The Mandalorian, and our thoughts on the sequel trilogy and the Rise of Skywalker. This is episode eight, and this is where the salt begins.
1: So, our mission, should you choose to accept it, and we accepted it, is to talk about one of Revan's companions in KOTOR named Mission Veo. She was a Twi'lek. She was a street urchin living in Terrace during the Mandalorian Wars and the first half of the Jedi Civil War. She was best friends with the Wookiee Zalabar and she is a scoundrel class and she helps you get through the lower levels of Terrace and off of the planet and she accompanies you throughout the first nights of the Old Republic. Some interesting things about her background is originally they saw her as a male character but then they decided it might just be a little bit more interesting if she's, like, a teenage girl. When I was playing Knights of the Old Republic, I was kind of of a similar age, so I, I kind of liked the character of Mission. Sometimes she could be a little annoying because cute and annoying kind of share a corner, you know? But for the most part, like, I I thought she was a fun character. And the Mission and Zalbar duo... It kind of reminds you of Han Solo and Chewbacca. One Easter egg about her name is like, I think it was kind of based off of Mission Viejo, California. She had a brother who, this is her tragic backstory, who, according to her, like when she was 12, left her on terrace for a Twilight dancer named Lena. And he said, "One day, I'm gonna make it big and come back for you." That kind of reminds me of like Ray's story a bit. How like she thought her parents were gonna come back for her, but when you're on Tatooine, it's revealed that Lena didn't want to leave without Mission, and Griff was the one who wanted to leave her behind. So you get to help Mission navigate that family drama. So that's kind of that's kind of like her backstory, and then she's just kind of friends with Zalbar. What were your thoughts on Mission?
0: I think my first impressions with Mission was what was she doing down in the depths of Terrace in the first place? And with all of what was going on in the depths of Terrace with the, the Red Ghouls, how did she uh, manage to not be infected like the rest of the population was just succumbing to? Because there didn't seem like there was a there was like a prevention, but there wasn't a cure down there. And so they would just kind of quarantine those that would get infected and they would turn into reckles and either be shot by the perimeter defense or they would go down into the further depths of Terrace. And that's where you meet mission and Zalbar is kind of down in there. And they help you navigate through the tunnels and bypass a, a rancor and then out the other side. That's about as much exposure as I really had with Mission and uh, Zalbar. Once we got to the Ebonhawk, I just kind of, here's your bedroom, and you're going to stay there until I call for you. And then I never went back.
1: Aw, so sad. It would be interesting to see Mission in a movie. I wonder if they would actually go like 14 or kind of like older. If I were to have the character of Mission in a movie or series or whatnot. I kind of think like after Tatooine or Kashik, I would maybe have Zalbar and Mission stay on one of those planets and maybe come back for the final battle against the wishes of Revan because I don't think going on the quest for the Starforge is any place for a 14 year old girl, even if like she thinks she can take care of herself and has a Wookiee protector i just i would feel weird about like having like a maybe she doesn't have any other family but i would want to make sure she was protected you know and i think like having as many companions as you do in the game just wouldn't work for a movie kind of like bringing in different characters and maybe like having some characters go off and do their own thing would make for a better movie experience
0: yeah, and being the age that she is, I mean, even even if they went back to Zalbar's homeworld, Kashik, I mean, she doesn't really belong there either. Kashik is a very like hostile territory where the the Wookiees are kind of the the premium species there. As you go deeper and deeper. Into the forests and to the undergrowth, just other giant monsters live down there. It's amazing that in the Clone Wars that the clones were able to navigate Kashik yeah. as well as the battle droids through that homeworld. So it, it is a good point of where would mission sit that would um, have, uh, like accommodate her if it wasn't Coruscant even. I think
1: after you resolve Kashik, you reinstate zalbar and his family as the rightful leaders so i feel like mission if she were to stick with zalbar they'd be in a good spot for a while they wouldn't have to go to the lower depths of the forest of Kashik. but if she if she can survive the lower levels of Terrace, i i think she would be fine one interesting aspect that i learned about mission is i think she is like the number one like light-sided character in your party. Contrasted with I believe HK47 or says like, they're the ultimate, like, dark characters in your party. And if your Revan chose to turn to the dark side, they can kill Mission, and you can convince Zalbar to do it, or they are both killed off. And that's just a dark for that character because she's just so full of life and she's just a fun 14 year old kid and then she dies it's kind of like Anakin killing the younglings kind of a situation
0: yeah I can't quite remember how you can get Zalbar to do it for you I think what ends up
1: like persuade
0: is it a force persuade I was thinking that maybe you had saved Zalbar you did something for Zalbar that caused him to because they do the whole life debt thing so
1: it's just if you have enough like of a persuasion skill and enough influence with Zalbar that you can convince him to do it
0: okay yeah that's that's kind of messed up if uh if you don't even take over that life debt tag from him and mission to have him kind of go back on that and kill her that's that is pretty dark
1: how I hope uh, it would be handled in the movies is that Revan does not turn dark and Mission gets to live with her friend Big Z and they're happy on Kashik or Tatooine or Coruscant or, you know, a random planet. Or maybe they just, like, kind of evoke Han Solo and Chewbacca and just get their own ship, you know, and just kind of go planet to planet being scoundrels. That's how I would want to see it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. As I've kind of mentioned, I haven't really paid much attention to Mission and Zalbar. So if they just kind of came in, checked in, and then just kind of checked out, I don't know.
1: It's worth a thought. But speaking of Twilight siblings and having unresolved family issues, let's move on to The Mandalorian.
0: As Cassian mentioned, we'll now be moving on to The Mandalorian spoilers. As a reminder, if you would like to remain spoiler-free please prepare to make the calculations to the next segment. Unlike our previous episodes, we have a couple more segments to cover before closing out this one. So be sure to tune back in at 18 minutes and 45 seconds. Flying is not just for droids, so prepare the jump to hyperspace. What'd you think of this episode? A lot
1: of people liked it. Some people did not like it. I, cause I think a lot of people liked that it was action packed. And I think a lot of people, when they were seeing teasers for the Mandalorian, they thought it was going to be like a super mature, dark take with a whole lot of action on the star Wars universe. And that's not quite what we got is we got like, kind of like a Flash Gordon Buck Rogers Baby Yoda show. So uh, I don't think I loved this episode, but what did you think?
0: I did think that the episode was a bit out of character for the most part. It was the the show leading up to this point has been child friendly and, and had a lot of mild humor mixed with the more kind of darker theme of who the mandalorian is with this latest episode they have one of the things that really bugged me was this twilight that they have in there that's just incredibly sadistic throughout the entire episode and it became annoying every time you saw her it's just like a eh, 10 second skip 10 seconds yeah <laughs> and it's uh, kind of a tonal
1: inconsistency with the show like i don't know quite what they're going for in this first season
0: yeah, with, uh, with some of the feedback that I've been looking at, I watched the Twitter feeds and some of the people that I communicate with from time to time have, who have started loving The, the Mandalorian kind of came to this episode and were just like, you know what, I'm, ca- I'm getting a little bored of The Mandalorian. And so I, I pushed back and was like, well, what's, what's your reasoning? Just kind of curious. And they're just like, there doesn't seem to be a big picture in the TV, sh- in the t- at least in season one. And yeah. that each individual episode is really good. But because there isn't something that it's building off of, it's almost becoming a point of, well, do I really care about what happens next? Because it doesn't seem like it's going to be answering what's been happening already. And that's kind of the the thoughts that have been kind of coming my, my way as far as what I've been reading up on.
1: It just seems like we're kind of done with TV shows that are like Monster of the Week or Crime of the Week, that kind of genre. We're kind of more into like the grand overarching story leading up to something. And that remains to be seen, like what happens in the episodes after this in 7 and 8. I would hope that it at least foreshadows something big happening in season two. I'm kind of expecting a big cliffhanger in episode eight because or else a whole lot of people and I think Disney knows this are like are just just have Disney Plus for the Mandalorian. So they really want to have like a hook, line and sinker into viewers. So I'm guessing there there will be a big cliffhanger. So I hope that seven and eight give us a big taste something different something to keep us interested yeah Um,
0: there's this tv show that i used to watch all the time too where there was like little bits and pieces of build-up throughout the season but then like the major build-up episodes were the the last four or so episodes of that particular season and then the season finale I guess the, re- the resolution to the season finale was the first two episodes of the following season. And so, yeah, kind of what you're saying with, like, hopefully they can really build something up good with these last couple episodes. Because if they don't, season two is going to come out and people are going to be asking that same question that they did just a little over a month ago. of Is the Mandalorian season two going to be worth that Disney Plus subscription?
1: What happens in this episode is the Mandalorian's ship, the Razorcrest, is worst for wear. So he goes to a space station owned by Ran, who is played by Mark Boone Jr. And Ran says, you're, you're welcome here. We just need your help with a job with a crew you used to work with. And apparently the Mandalorian used to be kind of a more of a bad dude, you know? Baby Yoda has changed him for the better, I suppose. So the team is made up of Mayfeld, played by Bill Burr. And Sion, the Twi'lek, was was unfamiliar to me until I learned that she was Natalia Ten- Tenna, who played Tonks in the Harry Potter series. And then I kind of liked her character a little bit more. But while I was watching it, like, I never really had a character bother me as much as she did. I just felt like they were trying to be like a Harley Quinn wannabe, but after I figured out it was Natalia Tena, I was like, oh, she's just, you know, trying to channel, you know, Bellatrix Lestrange. And then Clancy Brown, who also did the voice for Savage Opress, who is Darth Maul's brother, played Berg, the kind of devil character i mean he's not actually a devil but you know he looks like a devil and then the droid zero was voiced by richard ayoyadi and quinn was played by ismael cruz cordova and there are some fun easter eggs as well matt lanter who played or actually he voiced anakin skywalker in Clone Wars and Rebels, was the New Republic soldier with the egg helmet. And Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyua, and Deborah Chow were the X-Wing fighters at the end of the episode. So it was full of, you know, some fun Easter eggs. So it's it's basically like Suicide Squad, but with, like, bounty hunters. They have to get a prisoner who ends up being Quinn, the brother of the character Zeon. They need to get him off of a New Republic prison ship. But of course, that doesn't go to plan. But the Mandalorian, when he gets double-crossed, he proves that he is awesome. And he gets out of jail and delivers his bounty and leaves the others in jail. So it's a fun action episode. I just kind of did not love the supporting character. But at least Baby Yoda had some fun hijinks on the ship. That was a nice
0: sweet spot. Yeah, I think my favorite parts of that episode was I liked I mean, I liked how the episode started. I liked meeting of the crew. And then I liked when the Mandalorian was coming back from the raid, bringing the Twilight back to the guy with the tracking beacon. And so the two X-Wings come out of hyperspace and blow the facility up as Mandalorian kind of flies away. And he turns to baby Yoni and he's just like, yep, that was a bad idea. That (laughs) was funny. Yeah. Like there was, Uh, there were pieces of that episode that were like, yeah, that's pretty good. It's just, it's too bad that we we don't know why he's doing these jobs from point to point because earlier we're thinking that he's looking for a place that he can, set Baby Yoda down for good. Yeah. But it almost sounds like our our earlier theories are coming true that it's Mando and the Baby Yoda. It's the galaxy. Yep. <laughs> so the, the banner for Season 2 is going to be Little Yoda in his little force pose. And then the Mando over the top just uh, taking aim on something that they're going to gun down. And I don't know. We'll see just how messing.
1: Episode 7, which it actually debuts this week, Wednesday... And it's going to have a teaser for episode nine. So 10 for 10 marketing, Disney. So we'll see how that turns
0: out. Yeah, marketing for the Star Wars movie coming out later this week. right, before we discuss the upcoming Rise of Skywalker, we want to welcome back our listeners who decided to skip our last segment. We're just going to tell you now, your calculations were correct. There's just no Alderaan. You are right back here with us. Anyway, moving on.
1: So speaking of episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker, maybe let's talk some of the characters, the journeys they've been on so far, and where we think it's going. Let's just say, heads up, none of us have seen the leaks. So this is just us speculating for ourselves. Maybe let's start out with Rey. When we find her in Episode 7, she is on Jakku, waiting for her parents. And then she finds BB-8 and Finn. And then they meet Han Solo. And then she is taken prisoner by Kylo Ren. And then she discovers that she can use the Force. And she does use that Force, like super freakishly well and then she beats kylo ren in a duel somehow and then she goes to meet luke skywalker and then luke skywalker is kind of a disappointment and then whatever is happening between ray and kylo and those force visions happens she confronts snoke With Kylo Ren, and they take him down, and the Praetorian guards together. And then they're like, and then Kylo's like, let's rule the galaxy together. And she's like, no! And then she goes off and does her own thing. What do you think Rey is going to do in Episode Nine? I don't
0: know. Just from what the trailers are saying, I don't know what could possibly be her motivation from hopping from system to system. But obviously, in her travels, I think the Dark Rey thing is a thing i don't know if they would really want to waste that much footage on just like a misleading but i i think that through her her travels she's going to encounter a presence of palpatine who is going to kind of twist her into lining up some events towards a, a later scheme as we know emperor palpatine's pro at scheming from taking the republic moving into the empire to dominate the galaxy. Now he's added again with some other motivation that we're yet to find out. I think that's a lot with what Rey's going to be dealing with and somehow that's going to tingle with Kylo Ren's motivations and maybe Kylo Ren is also being puppeted by Emperor Palpatine and is being used in maybe a different direction to bring about this end goal, this unknown end goal. From the trailers we see Kylo Ren looks like he's he's alone for the most part except maybe with a couple loyal followers and he encounters a f- fleet of star destroyers possibly so uh, maybe he's looking for a way to rebuild like his own imperial style fleet and faction where ray is maybe just exploring the force and becoming maybe the true heir to the, the Sith, maybe, as Emperor Pelton would want a strong successor that he never really got.
1: Yeah, those are some interesting thoughts. Like, what I see happening is Rey going to succeed because she succeeded, you know, in seven and eight. Like, why would she fail now? I would like her to turn to the dark side for more than five minutes and have some struggles. But I kind of see her leading the next generation of Jedi.
0: Yeah, we'll see about that. We already kind of saw their perspective of the next generation of Jedi and how they wanted to leave it to the Force as uh, Jedi Fallen Order has believe. So
1: I think there should be a Jedi Order. And if they don't have one, that's stupid. So Kylo Ren. Compared to the second sister in Jedi Fallen Order, I just kind of think, as as much as I think like Adam Driver has portrayed him very well, I just kind of feel like the second sister made me empathize with the fallen antagonist, tragic antagonist, a whole lot better. Kylo Ren just seems like an angry man-baby. And it just seems like we are seeing episode 3 Anakin going to episode 6 Anakin. But we don't really see the buildup that made him that way, at least to enough of an extent so I understand him.
0: One thing I wanted to bring up with Kylo is after watching The Last Jedi and not knowing what was going to come up with Rise of Skywalker, I was really hoping that... Kylo was going to step in the shoes of being the ultimate antagonist of the Force Awakens trilogy. It was a disappointment to me to hear that they're bringing Emperor Palpatine back as like the overarching puppet master because that leads any buildup that Kylo really has to kind of just a dead end, like a, from the last movie of subverting expectations, which is, I think, a bummer for Kylo Ren's character, as well as like a really good ending plot for for this movie. I think that I would have liked to see Kylo Ren, the character of Kylo Ren, taking over the First Order and using it to his own Devices.
1: I think he is like taking it over, but I honestly never saw the last Skywalker turning evil and being killed off. I always thought Kylo was gonna be redeemed, and I don't know why they would humanize him as much as they do and just show him that he looks like, you know, Adam Driver and is sad and tortured. And he, you know, he's shirtless unless they were going to redeem him. I do think they should have left Palpatine dead, because it kind of, like, breaks canon and makes Return of the Jedi feel a little bit pointless. And they should have just maybe had, like, Snoke or some other villain that they hinted at, you know, in 7 and 8. And I don't think that Palpatine was hinted at in 7 and 8, but it does seem that they're trying to retroactively say that, yeah, Snoke was Palpatine. Palpatine influenced Luke to to, to murder his nephew, you know? So I don't really like
0: that. One thing that was an interesting development and kind of a lead-up possible point of the Rise of Skywalker was... With the death of Snoke, you have two relatively powerful individuals. You had Kylo Ren and you had General Hux. And with the death of Snoke, there's a point where you see Hux check on Kylo to see if he's dead. And he reaches for his blaster. But when uh, Kylo Ren comes to and is like fully awake, he hurries and puts his coat back, suggesting that he's going to finish off Kylo Ren. What would have been interesting is... If instead of bringing Emperor Palpatine back, if they explored uh, kind of how I mentioned earlier where maybe Hawks does assume full control of the First Order as the the highest ranking official at that point finding a way to push Kylo Ren out into exile where he only has his major supporters to rebuild and either fight back against the First Order but also not with the resistance and uh, t- to try and regain the power that he once had with snoke in power
1: i think kylo ren is going to be redeemed as ben solo and then he gonna die but i think he could be redeemed and live because let's just face it like harrison ford wanted to die like that's why i didn't really hold it against kylo ren as much as others You know, as they came out of 7, I was like, well, Harrison Ford kind of convinced them. And it's kind of sad that Disney listened to Harrison Ford, who didn't care about Star Wars, and then didn't listen to Mark Hamill, who loved Star Wars. But, alas, you know, we'll see what happens with Kylo Ren. Palpatine, we kind of touched on this, but my prediction is, gasp! He's gonna die again, you know? And I think Rey, Ray, and Kylo are going to defeat him together. I just wonder how they're going to explain he survived.
0: From what we touched on, or I guess what we'll be touching on a little bit, when a Sith dies, if they try and if they try and live through the Force, they end up attaching to you know something or someone to yeah. basically feed off of. So a theory that I kind of brewed up is it's possible that Palpatine maybe living through the the mask of Darth Vader, the charred mask of Darth Vader. And yeah. what we saw in the trailer of both Kylo and Ray destroying the mask of Darth Vader is in turn destroying what's left of Emperor Palpatine.
1: I think we are definitely going to see Ian McDermott in the flesh again. So I'm excited for that. But you definitely think he's going to die for real this time?
0: Yeah, I hope so.
1: Yeah, he better be dead. I just wanted to bring up Finn. I think he's the greatest missed opportunity of this trilogy because he was raised as a stormtrooper and he turned away, but he's not really used for anything except for yelling after Rey and for comic relief. And I think that John Boyega is a great actor and they could be doing so
0: much more with him. I think what we've discussed before with Finn is I think Finn would have been a much more powerful character if they combined him with Poe Dameron and just had those two characters portrayed only as one character and just kind of like split the difference of who they were to, to create a more fleshed out individual. And I think either actor would have portrayed the character fine, but the character themselves would have been a lot more intriguing and fun to follow if they were one of the same.
1: There's just so many characters in this trilogy. And I'm not sure who the main trio is supposed to be, if it's supposed to be Poe, Finn, and Ray, or if it's supposed to be Ray, Kylo, and Finn, or Rose, Finn, and Ray, or whatnot, you know? And then we're getting new characters like Zori Bliss and Xana in episode 9, so... There's even more cooks in the kitchen now. But one thing I wanted to bring up is that John Boyega seems to be unleashed right now. Like, he's really coming into his own. And out of, like, all of the actors in the sequel trilogy, I would want to hang out with him the most. He just has a fun Instagram profile. He He's making light of the press tour. He pretended to interview himself and it was just like one of the most hilarious things i've seen and he actually gave his thoughts on the last jedi and he said this and i'm quoting it it says the force awakens i think was the beginning of something quite solid the last jedi if i'm being honest i'd say that was feeling a bit iffy for me Boyega said i didn't necessarily agree with a lot of the choices in that and that's something that i spoke to mark hamill a lot about and we had conversations about it, and it was hard for all of us because we were separated. So, I have to give him props for like kind of being the first to speak his
0: mind. Technically, he was the second, but of the main like trio or or five group, of the main
1: trio, you know, the sequel, the most prominent ones that Disney pushed to the forefront, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think as we're kind of talking about, is that I mean, it was like a missed opportunity, like, you see a lot of growth in his character with the force awakens and in the last Jedi he's halted and even regresses a little bit and and in the end when when he's about to smash into the death star tech laser and get saved for no real reason other than love which they had to completely work around to even survive that because of that decision I don't know that there's a there's a lot of characters that really got the short end of the stick with the last jedi
1: yeah and i think he is the one who definitely got even in the force unleashed he never really had a chance to do anything that he would regret because they just say oh he was a janitor his first mission he couldn't do it you know and like it's kind of like having your cake and eating it too it's like oh we want to have a stormtrooper but he's like not that kind of stormtrooper He's just, you know, a pure soul, you know, but I think it would be he would have more to work with if like he did stuff he regretted or if he was close friends with Kylo Ren and then he had to turn his back on the first order and he joined the resistance because it was the right thing to do, you know? That gives him more to work with. And I think that John Boyega would would have been great to
0: play that. Yeah, I think his his turning point was watching his his buddy stormtrooper die and you know, they had the the bloody hand go across the face mask and it was all traumatizing. And that's what they explained to cause Poe to flip sides, which I don't know if he'd been the first order that long, that must've been his first combat experience. I
1: think you said Poe, but you meant Finn.
0: Oh, okay. It would have been Finn's like first combat experience if that was his reaction Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense.
1: We'll see. we'll see what happens with Finn, but my prediction is he is not going to be in a relationship with Rose anymore, and I think something may happen with Xana. I think he's going to live and become a prominent leader in the new New Republic. So Poe was not meant to survive the first act of The Force Awakens. And now he's one of the main members of the trio. In seven, he's in there for about five minutes, I would say. And in seven, you just see he's a super good pilot. He's good at obeying orders. And in eight, he is a super good pilot. And he is not good at following orders. And then in nine, I'm guessing he will continue to be a really good pilot. And maybe he will obey half the orders and then not obey half the orders. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. (laughs) And I think he'll live and become the new General Leia.
0: That's the other predicament that this movie has, is that all of the resistance leadership is dead. Some more dead than others. You got Carrie Fisher that's passed away, but you have... Emerald Akbar, that was, you know, rushed out the uh, cockpit and couldn't use the force to get back to the ship, along with everybody else that was in there. I think uh, Mon Mothma was in there. You had probably General Medine that was in there. All these guys, they just died. You had, you had the so basically other. Basically,
1: at the end of the Last Jedi, there was like twelve people on the ship, and that's your, your new Resistance or Rebellion or whatever.
0: It now. yeah i mean ultimately the only one that's going to have real screen space as the leader of the resistance is poe dameron and they are bringing wedge Antilles back in so i, I forget his his actor name but he he was never a a major leader he was essentially the poe dameron he was the pseudo leader of rogue squadron when luke skywalker wasn't part of the squadron so he, yeah. he has seniority over Poe Dameron, but not necessarily rank unless there's a lot of lore that Disney puts out talking about how Wedge progresses after Return of the Jedi.
1: The actor for Wedge Antilles is named Dennis Lawson, and I believe he is the uncle of Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan in episodes one, two, and three, and the upcoming Kenobi spinoff on disney plus
0: i didn't know that that's really cool
1: i think poe's gonna survive the resistance will i think I'm, i'm pretty safe saying that i think the good guys are gonna win you know in the final battle and peace will be restored in the galaxy maybe they'll merge with the first order through the power of love and friendship and hope and goodness Or maybe the First Order will just be totally beaten somehow. But what do you think will happen?
0: I think that they'll find a new super weapon out in the middle of that nebula. And they'll find a way to expose its weakness, fly down that trench, throw a torpedo down the middle of it, and kaboom! And the First Order is destroyed.
1: Ah, Just like it happened in. Just like the old days. Episode 4. And episode six. So, yep. But one thing I wanted to touch on is that I heard the entire soundtrack for episode nine has been leaked.
0: Uh, It wasn't leaked. It was released. But the track titles are spoilers to the events of the movie.
1: Yeah, which seems, you know, kind of like an oversight, no matter if it was released legally or illegally so
0: uh definitely a definitely an oversight
1: i'm not seeing it on on itunes
0: no no no, not not there let me let me see if i can pull it up
1: because i think it was uh released like someone leaked it online and it's all available because it's not available through like itunes you just have to be looking for it like
0: It's on Spotify.
1: That seems stupid.
0: They released the tracks. And of course, they're going to have the names of the tracks associated with what they're about. And so and I'm going to exit out of this because I actually haven't seen that yet. But my thought process on it is you're not going to find it unless you go looking for it. And so why are all these people mad that they found it and are now spoiled when if they weren't looking for it?
1: I guess. Some people though are just like on Instagram or Facebook and then some idiot like posts, posts it and like, they can't like unsee it, you know?
0: Yeah. And I get that. Um, They did that with uh, game of Thrones with Ned Stark dying in season one. And they just like people who post it on Facebook and have ruined it for uh, thousands of people. So, I mean that, that can happen if someone doesn't want to have these types of spoilers, especially like a soundtrack spoiler, which is really weird. It's,
1: oversight and disney should be more on top of that because they are such a big company and they they can do that and also it seems like with episode seven basically all of the episode seven was known like people knew online like what was gonna happen before it came out and it seems like episode nine was is pretty much leaked because a lot of like I haven't seen the leaks, but it seems like a lot of people are saying they're seeing some things from the leaks come to fruition in some of the teaser trailers and whatnot.
0: Yeah, one of which is the cholera and grabbing a bunch of followers and looking for Star Destroyers.
1: But there weren't that many leaks for Episode Eight, so it makes it seem like it might be more of J.J. Abrams' bad robot, which is in the bad. Uh, Then maybe like Disney. I think the bad robot ship needs to be examined for leaks. We'll see it in a couple days and hopefully no one spoils it for us. And then we thought we'd close out with a viewer question.
0: Best. We've kind of taken a look at some of these and we're not totally sure what you already know, but we'll, we'll answer to the best of our abilities. So
1: this is from Tyler3564. He says, please commentate on what the Sith Holocrons behind Atris were doing. What did they speak and what did they
0: say? So a holocron, for those that are tuning in that don't know, is a like a device or artifact that can only be accessed using the force. And so what this question is referring to is a artifact or this holocron that is specific to the Sith belonging to the Sith Lord Atreus. So it looks like what they're wanting to know is like, what did it say? And through all the research that we can find, at least that I went digging for, was that there isn't like an actual script or text that comes along with these Sith holocrons. What they do say is that when... An individual that it's not meant for tries to access these holocrons. All they hear are like screams or wailing or other unnatural, painful expressions from different species. And that's all that they really can get out of it. From my understanding, they could have approached it to the perspective of who the holocrons were meant for. But all the material that we're finding is very specific to... The inability to read them, so very similar to Maz's A Good Question for Another Time kind of mentality for Bioware's perspective of these holocrons.
1: The gist I got is that they're Sith holocrons, they're trying to turn like someone who is very susceptible to falling to fall to the dark side, so they're probably just preying upon her personal weaknesses and foibles. Because she admired the exile so much, and she thought she went to the dark side, and she just thought she was so good, and the Jedi were so right. She was susceptible to the Sith holocrons, and they preyed upon her weakness, and she turned to the dark side.
0: Yeah, it could have been, like, what what the holocrons were saying, because the holocrons essentially is, like, force-contained message, but it is a stagnant message, so... In the Jedi Temple, for example, it contains a library filled with both Jedi and Sith holocrons containing mysteries of the Force. There are, there are some holocrons that are available to the very ready learners, the Padawan level learners, and then there are some holocrons that are only available through the Master level or the Jedi Council level. And then there are Forbidden holocrons, which are typically the Sith holocrons, where they're more meant to be vaulted and protected and not necessarily accessed
1: hopefully that answered your question tyler and our viewers are always welcome to send us questions and suggestions and we'll tackle them in our future episodes
0: and uh speaking speaking of which this has been coden
1: this has been cassia
0: and you can find me on twitch.tv forward slash coden i'm currently uh streaming star wars jedi Fallen Order. got my mic all set up so that it's you can Yeah, you can hear me just a little bit better. And uh, I typically tend to tweet out when I go live. I only go live for like a couple hours or so. So just to keep your eyes open for that.
1: You can email us your comments and questions at ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. And you're also welcome to message us at Ebenhawk Podcast on
0: Instagram. And our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Sherman. He can be found at https colon slash slash alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash alistairsounds. And our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been episode eight of the Ebon Hawk. Take care of yourselves, meatbags, and may the force be with you. We'll be back later this week to discuss our thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker And so, uh, bye for now.